This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello and welcome to the latest Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Matt Addison. Alongside me, Alex James, Burnley reporter for Lanks Live. It's a look ahead to Liverpool's game against the Clarets later on this evening. After a disappointing result against Manchester United over the weekend, made it three games without a goal for the Reds, then Jurgen Klopp's forwards click into gear against the tough defensive rearguard of Sean Dyche's side. As I say, joining me to look ahead to preview this game is Alex James. Alex, welcome to the Blood Red channel. How much are you looking forward to tonight's game? Of course, Burnley coming to Anfield. Yeah, hi, Matt. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, always a... Always a good occasion to um, to go to Anfield. Um, obviously, slightly different without any any fans in the stadium. But uh, yeah, looking forward to what should be um, well on paper looks like it should be a nil nil, doesn't it? I guess, but <laughs> hopefully, will be um, will be a good game. Yeah, I'm sure Liverpool fans will be hoping it doesn't finish nil nil. But I suppose that is kind of the the feeling heading into it, isn't it? Liverpool are, are unbeaten now in in 68 consecutive Premier League games at Anfield, but. I suppose, given the last few matches, Burnley must centre a little bit of an opportunity to at least get a point. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Burnley is struggling for goals as well. I know um, Liverpool, is it, is it one goal in four in the league? But Burnley have only scored nine in the league all season. So that sort of tells you where the, the shortcomings are from a Burnley point of view at the moment. Um, but having said that, they went to Anfield last season and, and got a point. Um, I think Liverpool were already champions at the, at the time, but that was the only team, I think I'm right in saying, to take any any points off Liverpool in the league last season. So they've proved they can go there and compete and get a result. So I don't see any reason why they won't be thinking the same thing can happen on um, on Thursday night. I suppose you'd imagine that Burnley are the exact type of team, really, that could come to Anfield, sit deep and, and frustrate Liverpool. I suppose it's the identical style of, of play, really, to, to what has frustrated Liverpool's attack in the past. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, you won't get Burnley going gung-ho. You won't get them um, trying to expose any spaces that that Liverpool front three can exploit. That isn't really how Burnley play anyway. Um, certainly not when they're going away to, to the defending champions. That that won't be the approach they take. It will be a, a you know, a sit-in, a be solid, um, try and sort of frustrate Liverpool, stick in the game as long as possible, and then exploit perhaps potential defensive um, weaknesses if, if there are any for Liverpool, I know they've had a couple of central midfielders playing centre half. Burnley, um, really good at set pieces. Generally, get a lot, a lot of joy that way. A lot of goals from that that avenue with the likes of Chris Wood and then me, James Tarkovsky coming up from the back. So that might be one way where Sean Dyche will look to sort of get get in at Liverpool a little bit. But let's make no bones about it; it's going to be a really difficult test for Burnley. They're, you know, they're seventeenth in the table, and Liverpool are challenging for the title again, albeit perhaps not. With the with the form they showed last season, I imagine the sort of main hope of, of goals for Burnley might come from set pieces. You referenced there a couple of midfielders potentially at the back for Liverpool. I mean, Burnley have only scored nine league goals in the whole of this season. Mohamed Salah's on a bit of a drought at the moment, but even he on his own has got thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Sean Dyche is probably sick of the likes of me and and the rest of the press boys asking questions along those lines. But it really has been a a struggle for for Burnley going forwards this season. I think Chris Wood, who's got into double figures in the league for the, each of the last three seasons, he has he has got three goals this season, which you know when you're looking at a total of nine isn't too bad a return. But in recent weeks, he's looked a little bit short of confidence. A few supporters would like to see um, perhaps Jay Rodriguez, he scored at Anfield last season, or Matteo Vidra, given a bit of a extended run in the side just to try and 
sort of shake things up a little bit and find that little bit of an attacking spark that that Burnley have missed. Um, one sort of uh, sort of ray of hope, if you like, for for Burnley is Dwight McNeil is now back um, fit again after injury, and he he had something of a slow start to the season by the sort of standards he'd set over the last eighteen months, two years. But he came off the bench at um, West Ham over the weekend and. And he looked sort of back to his best. He had that drive and determination to carry the ball forward. And um, and his sort of crossing ability is what Chris Wood has thrived off in the past and, and Ashley Barnes and Jay Rodriguez as well. So if we can get sort of Dwight McNeil into a little bit of space and back into his sort of flying form, then that does open up another avenue of attack for, for Burnley. As you say, Liverpool were frustrated by Burnley during Project Restart. They were the only team to, to come away from Anfield with a point in the entirety of last season. I mean... What's the sort of feeling at the moment at Burnley? Is it a case of they look at this and it's almost a free hit or, or are they going here to, to try and do the same thing again? Yeah, I mean, probably a bit of both if if that's possible. It, it is a free hit in the sense that I think, you know, the wider footballing world, not too many people, despite Liverpool's sort of issues over the last couple of weeks, will think this is going to be an away win. Um, but... Burnley have, have competed at uh, big clubs before. If you take sort of Man City out of the equation where they've got an absolutely terrible away record, they have they've beaten Arsenal this season, and I know Arsenal aren't perhaps the, the top six side we associate them as, but they've they've got results at Old Trafford in the past. Um they obviously got that result at Anfield last season. Uh, they have beaten Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool at, at Turf Moor, but it will be a case of Burnley needing to be absolutely on their game and on their metal, and Liverpool perhaps not quite being at the the standards we're used to. Yeah, I mean, in recent weeks, we've sort of seen Salah, Mane, Firmino not scoring with that regularity, as I mentioned. But I suppose the fear really for Burnley is that that will change at some point and they won't want it to be on Thursday night. But I suppose the question really is, what have you made Liverpool made of Liverpool generally so far this year? I mean, they've not been at their best, but I suppose they are still a team to be feared. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I think um, they were they were my picks to win the league before the season started, and I'm not deviating from that at the moment. I know they're at a fourth now at the moment, sort of three or four points off off top spot. But you look down there, their first choice eleven, and it's still it's still a side that you know is jam packed with quality and international players. So yeah, they've been short of goals in the last three or four games, but I think you know. Form is form is temporary, class is permanent, as the old adage goes. And and the likes of Mo Salah and, and Sadio Mane aren't going to go too much longer without um, without breaking that that sort of mini drought, if you like. And then we were speaking to, to Nick Pope earlier, and he sort of said that he doesn't expect to be sitting here in four more games' time talking about a Liverpool side that have only scored one goal in in the next four games. He's anticipating that 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 form is going to change. Um, and we all saw what they did to Crystal Palace as well, you know, which doesn't seem that long ago, really. It was, you know, 7-0 and everybody was talking about how Liverpool were flying. So things can change very quickly. And as you say, Burnley will just be hoping that Liverpool's perhaps little little blip can extend by, by one more game and allow them to get a positive result. Yeah, I think Thiago Alcantara in the, the midfield is going to be a big player for Liverpool to try and sort of disrupt that Burnley back line. We know pretty much what Burnley are going to do. They're going to come to Anfield. They're going to be fairly rigid and, and fairly defensive. I mean, has there been any examples of a, a similar sort of, of player causing Burnley problems this season? Or is it almost just that is what Burnley do? They do it for a reason because it, it is their strength to get those banks of four. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, in recent weeks, Burnley have, have been on a relatively good run. Um, they were very unlucky to lose at, at Leeds just after Christmas. And 
although they lost on um, the weekend to West Ham and, and they didn't play particularly well at all, but there wasn't a great deal in the game. The one goal came from a from a mistake from Burnley's defensive point of views, and then you know the shot shy shot shy strikers sort of just couldn't find a way back into it for for the Claret. So I don't think they'll be going there thinking they're going to get opened up. Um, and as you say, we know how they're going to set up. They're going to be two banks of four. They're going to have two wingers who are more than prepared to do their share of um, of defensive work, and they're going to look to sort of ruffle a few feathers at the other end of the pitch and exploit set pieces. So in terms of this season, I don't think there's been anyone who's sort of come and, and dictated play, even when, when United were at Turf Moor uh, last last week. It was 1-0, and, and it wasn't a game where you felt United were going to run away with it, and it wasn't a game where, you know, a Bruno Fernandes or, or a Pogba took the game by the scruff of the neck and just dictated things. That doesn't tend to happen too much against Burnley, and I think because they have that shape and that nous of exactly how they are going to play, they don't vary too often the the shape or the tactics or the press whether they're playing a, a Liverpool or whether they're playing a, a West Brom. So I don't think they'll be too concerned by by who's in that opposition midfield. It'll just be a case of, um, of Ashley Westwood and Josh Brownell doing what they what they do to try and, and disrupt the opposition. And, and they're also used to playing as a two against a, a midfield three, which Liverpool will have, won't they, on Thursday night. So I think um, I think Burnley will just be focusing on, on doing what they do best um, and, and trying to utilise their strengths rather than worry too much about who might be able to have a good game for Liverpool. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, I mean, all that being said, Burnley have, have lost, haven't they, to Manchester City, to Leicester, to Chelsea, to Man United this year. Would it be fair to say that they do struggle against the bigger teams or is that being a, a little bit unfair given that you wouldn't probably expect them to get anything out of those matches? Yeah, I think, I mean, they do struggle against the, the bigger teams, particularly away from home. But, that's because they're the best teams in the division and and Burnley are a team who are, you know, generally speaking, will finish somewhere between ninth and 17th with a bit of luck. Do you know what I mean? So yes, their record isn't great. Um, and yes, they've lost it to the so-called big six or seven clubs this season. Um, so that, yeah, their record isn't great against them, but having said that, that's because they have the best players, the best squads and the most money to spend on them. So you wouldn't necessarily expect Burnley to, be able to go and um and win away at the likes of Liverpool too often. Um having said that, they are more than capable, as we've sort of touched on already, of getting the odd result here and there, as we saw at Liverpool last season, as we've seen at Arsenal this season, uh, we saw it at Old Trafford last season. There's there's quite a few examples of down the sort of last four years that Burnley have been in the Premier League of once or twice a season they will go and and get a draw or a win. At, um, at opposition clubs such as Liverpool. What's the, the sort of aim for Burnley this season? I sort of see them as a, a team that are never really going to be in any danger of, of getting relegated. But you know, how high up do, the, do they think they can go? And, and what was the aim at, at the start of the season? And I suppose has that changed at all? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the aim is always survival, um, because regardless of of what happened last season, and Burnley finished tenth last season, they're they're still one of the smaller clubs in terms of spending money, in terms of wages, in terms of squad size. So their their objective number one is always to try and get that magical forty points as quickly as possible, secure another season in the top flight, and then and then build from there. Um, as happened a couple of years ago, this year they got off to a, a really slow start. I think they had two points from the first eight games. They weren't helped by injuries, which sort of 
um, highlighted their small squad, really. It's, a, it's not a squad that has two players in every position, even at the minute. So there are a few um, a few sort of deeper issues there. The, the hope is that the new owners who have come in over the last month will be able to support Sean Dyche a little bit more um, than what's previously been managed, particularly over the last sort of four or five transfer windows, to try and at least boost the numbers and obviously the quality as well of player that Burnley have. Um, so I think aim number one now, particularly given the sort of truncated nature of the season and the way it's difficult for, for even the best teams to string together four or five results um, will be to stay up. But they have finished in the top half in two of the last four seasons. So I think at the start of the season, a few supporters would probably have been looking at another top half finish. Um, but now I think everybody would, would take 17th, even if um, even if they might not publicly admit that that's where their, their sort of bar, their bar is. I think most would say, let's make sure we get another season in the top flight and hopefully under this new ownership attacker summer transfer window and, and build on the platform that, that they've got over the last three or four years. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually about the, the takeover. Obviously, it's an American group that has come in similar to Liverpool. I think they bought a, an 84% stake or, or something like that. I mean, what have your sort of early thoughts on them been from what you've seen so far? Does this seem like a, a good takeover move for, for Burnley? Yeah, it's a tricky one, really, because I think for the last 12 or 18 months, most the vast majority of, of Burnley supporters and even the people at the club um, have realised that the previous owners had sort of gone got to where they could in terms of financially taking the club to the next level. Um, so the takeover and the fresh investment was needed. Uh, and Alan Pace has come in as the new Burnley chairman. I mean, it was only concluded on, on New Year's Eve, so we're sort of three weeks in um, to this new regime. And the, the new chairman has, has been self-isolated and has then contracted coronavirus. So that hasn't helped in terms of perhaps moving things along. Obviously, the pandemic doesn't help in terms of getting everybody together in one room, management, recruitment department, all those sort of facets of a club to thrash out a bit of a strategy. Um, he's done, Alan Pace is very active on Twitter. He's sort of come across well with everything he's saying. Um, he's making all the right noises, but as we all know, the, the proof will be in the pudding, really. And if, if Bernie go through this window and don't manage to make a sign, and I think there'll be a few raised eyebrows just because it's it's evident that support is needed for this squad. Um, and it is an opportunity for ALK to come in and perhaps make, even if they just made one or two signings, to sort of put a statement down and put a marker down that, yeah, we can do this. We can activate deals where previously you might not have been able to. Um, it's also been a bit of sort of conjecture over the, the financial dealings of, of how the deal was done. It was a leveraged deal. They borrowed a substantial amount of money towards that, um, sort of similar to the, the Glazer model, if you like. But again, ALK have sort of moved to reassure everybody that they're more than satisfied with the way they've done it and it doesn't sort of hinder any um, any approach they have going forward. So it will be a case of we want to see actions back up their words. But it's been three weeks. They came in the day before the transfer window opened. Um, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it, it is difficult to make an instant impression in those circumstances, but it will be a case of just hoping that the um, the actions support the, the sort of promising statements that have been coming out of the club in recent days. Is the the hope from Burnley that they could get a couple before the, the deadline in a week or so's time? I think, it's, I think it's probably more hope than expectation at this stage. I think, um, I mean, Sean Dyche is very sort of coy on on transfers at the best of times. Um, he 
referenced at the end of last season that he, he felt there were two or three players short of what he would like to use as a as a base of a squad. Um, they're certainly looking in for a, a right winger. Uh, they've got sort of five or six senior players out of contract in the summer as well. So there are areas of the squad that need looking at. Um, but I wouldn't sit here now and, and bet my house on Burnley signing signing anybody. But I do think the hope is that yeah, they will be able to get perhaps one or two in before um, before the deadline. Just about brings us to the end of our, our preview for the podcast today. But thank you very much for, for joining me, Alex. The final question I will throw over to you is to just ask for a quick score prediction. I know it's always difficult, particularly this season, to to guess what is going to happen with these matches. I think I'm going to go for, for a quite nervy, maybe 1-0 or, or possibly even a 2-0 Liverpool win. But I do think it'll be really, really close. What do you think it, it might be? Yeah, it, as you say, it's a difficult one to call, really. And, and all the recent stats are telling me it's going to be nil-nil. Um, but I do think um, it's the sort of game where Burnley can get something. And the, the fact that they did it last season at Anfield as well will just give them a little bit of a shot in the arm. Their recent run uh, over the sort of last six or seven weeks has been relatively good. So I'll be brave and um, go for a repeat of last year and a, and a 1-1, which uh, which will sort of solve both, solve, uh, both teams' goal-scoring problems to a certain extent anyway. Yeah, I think there, there might be a few Liverpool fans not particularly impressed with that one-all score. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> we will, we I've will got to be positive there. I've got to be positive, man. Yes, 100%. Well, we will see what happens. You can follow it, of course, across the Liverpool Echo and Blood Red, including the debrief at the final whistle and then the post-game podcast as well with our regular contributors shortly after that. For now, though, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the build-up to the game from myself, Matt Addison, and from my guest, Alex James. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.